Section 17 of The Family Kitchen Gardener. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dana Allen. The Family Kitchen Gardener by Robert Buist. Section 17. Almond. Amygdalus communis. Almandier, French. Mandelbaum, German. This fruit is a native of China and other eastern countries. In the south of Europe it is cultivated to a great extent for export, and several thousand tons are annually brought to this country. It could, however, be very readily cultivated in the latitudes and soils of Virginia and North Carolina. It is one of the fruits mentioned in the history of the Israelites, and was held in great esteem by the ancients. The tree is very similar to the peach in growth, blossom, and fruit. The flower, however, is much larger and more ornamental. The kernel, which is the only valuable part of the fruit, enters largely into confectionery of every kind. The toilet, too, is furnished with oils of various names extracted from it, such as milk of roses, macassar oil, russia oil, calidor, etc. There are several varieties of the fruit, but all known as bitter and sweet almonds. Sultane is a thin-shelled sweet almond nut, about an inch in length, firm, oval, shell light-colored, tender, and very porous, kernel rich and sweet. Jordan, or thick-shelled, size of the former, shell light-colored, smooth and porous, kernel rich and very sweet. Amygdalus amara is the bitter almond, fruit very similar to the others, shell hard, kernel bitter, used for condiments, and by wine-bibbers to allay the fumes of wine. Propagation and Culture The almond is propagated by the kernel, or seed, when the object is to obtain new varieties, in the same manner as the peach. It can be perpetuated by budding, and is most permanent when grown upon the plum stalk. But in a dry, sandy soil, they will do best on their own stalk. As a general rule, soil that grows the peach will suit the almond. See article Peach. Gathering of the fruit. The fruit should be allowed to remain on the tree until the rind opens and becomes quite brown, and the kernels firm and solid, when it may be gathered and gradually dried till the shell becomes hard, after which it may be stored away for use. Apple. Pyrus mains. Palm, French. Apfel, German. Of all the fruits cultivated in this country, the apple is undoubtedly the most valuable. It is the fruit of the peasant and the president, of the rich and the poor, and is suited to 346,500 square miles of the United States. At what period it became known is involved in obscurity. It is a native of several countries, and peculiarly so of this, and the delightful odor of the wild crab of Virginia, when in bloom, is gratefully remembered by every traveler who passes that region in March and April. The tree is naturally long-lived. History asserts that it has been known to live over a thousand years, though we would rather ascribe it to one-fourth of that period. There is no climate in the world where the apple is brought to such perfection as in this. It can be had in perfection throughout the year, forming always an agreeable and luxurious addition to the food of man. The fruit, when ripe, is laxative, and when boiled or roasted, it has been found serviceable in cases of weakness and indigestion, as also in putrid and malignant fevers.
The constitution of the apple is adapted to every kind of soil. There are known to be about 800 varieties in cultivation, three-fourths of which are not worth attention, and of the remaining fourth, the following list contains all that are really excellent. We introduce to the notice of our readers such varieties only as have been tested and can be relied upon for a crop, compromising a succession from the earliest to the latest. Every person will understand our expressions of large, medium, small, round, flat, oval, and long, when applied to the apple, its size and character being so familiar to civilized man. Summer apples, early harvest, prince's harvest, yellow harvest, etc. This is the best early American apple at present known, being a healthy growing tree and a great bearer. Fruit of a pale yellow color, round form, medium size, skin waxy, smooth, with faint pale dots. Flesh tender and very juicy, of a sprightly, crisp flavor. Ripe in early July, fit for either dessert or cooking. Striped Harvest, a beautiful American variety, of excellent growth and very productive, takes the market well. Fruit under medium size, of a pale yellow color, striped with red, profusely so next the sun, round form. Flesh very juicy and tender, of a superior flavor. A dessert fruit, ripe in July. Seven's Favorite, an American fruit of great beauty, a constant bearer and of free growth. Fruit flat, greenish-yellow, highly colored with bright red medium size. Flesh crisp, juicy, of a yellow-white color, ripe from the middle to the end of July. Bough, or large yellow bough, is perhaps the finest-looking fruit brought to our market, for which purpose we expressly notice it. We think it too large for the table, and it is not fit for the kitchen. Fruit large, oval, of a pale greenish-yellow. Flesh pure white, tender, sweet, and crisp. Ripe in July and August. Early red margaret, or red juniating, an American sort of excellent qualities. Fruit medium size, of an oval form, pale green color, freely striped with dark red. Flesh yellow-white, of a very agreeable flavor, fit for the dessert or kitchen. Ripe in August. Summer pearmain, or autumn pearmain of some. This is the very best fruit in its season, and has long been known in this vicinity. Tree of slender growth but well-formed, a regular bearer. Fruit long oval, medium size, of a russety yellow color, shaded with green and red. Flesh firm, brownish-yellow, crisp, juicy, and high-flavored, suitable for the dessert or kitchen. Ripe in August and early September. Maiden's Blush, supposed to be an American variety exceedingly beautiful, a great bearer, of good habit. Fruit medium size, flat, color pale yellow with a bright red cheek, or if grown in the shade, tinted with blush. Flesh white, tender, with a pleasant flavor, in use from August to October, and fit for either the table or kitchen. Hawthornden, a very popular scotch apple, a great and early bearer, fairly maintaining its character in this country. It is of dwarf growth and spreading form. Fruit very similar in size and shape to the former, though not so highly colored. Flesh pure white, juicy and mild flavored, suitable for either the table or cooking. Ripe from August to October. Fall apples. Rambo, or red seek no further, 
is one of our most valuable varieties for the market, table, or kitchen, and is a native of this vicinity. Fruit about medium size, flat with a smooth yellow-white skin, marbled and speckled with rough red spots. Flesh yellowish-white, rich and sprightly, in use from September to November. Fall Pippin, or Holland Pippin of some. Whoever has visited Philadelphia Market in September and October has seen this apple. Fruit large, round, of a fine smooth greenish-yellow color, with an occasional blush. Flesh white, mellow, spicy, rich and tender. Very popular for either the dessert or kitchen. White seek no further, a very popular variety. Trees of free growth and good bearing. Fruit round, rather tapering towards the eye, of a yellowish-white color. Skin smooth with russety spots. Flesh yellow, rich, juicy, and tender. A table fruit of great excellence, in use from September to November. Bellflower, or yellow bellflower of some, is everywhere esteemed for its many good qualities. It is one of the most prolific bearers and, being a native, well adapted for general culture. Fruit very large, of a conical form, color creamy yellow with a few brown spots. Flesh tender, juicy, crisp, with a sprightly flavor, having a large core. Fit for the table or kitchen, in use from September to December. Autumn Pearmain or Winter Pearmain. This variety is not excelled by any of our fall or winter fruits. Wood of slender growth, but producing great crops. Fruit oblong, medium size, of a yellowish color, stained and mottled with a brownish red. Flesh pale lemon yellow, tender, with an agreeable aromatic flavor. Fit for dessert or cooking. Ripe in October to January. Winter Apples Cumberland Spice, or white bellflower of some, is a general favorite, producing great crops. Fruit oblong, large size, tapering towards the eye, of a yellowish-white color, marked with a few reddish-brown dots, having a large core. Flesh white, very juicy, tender, with a delicately agreeable flavor, in use from October to February. Bullock's Pippin, or Sheep Nose. This is a productive variety, universally cultivated for its luscious flavor. Fruit conical, of a yellow russety color, footstock long. Flesh yellow, very tender, mild, rich, and juicy. An American sort, in eating from October to January. It is called by eastern growers Golden Russet, confounding it with the well-known old apple of that name, to which it has no affinity. Wine Apple, or Haze Apple well known in this vicinity as a superb winter fruit of large size, of a round flattened form, skin yellow, nearly covered with bright red, flesh yellowish white, crisp and juicy, with a vinous and pleasant flavor, a table and kitchen fruit in use from October to January. Rhode Island Greening, a favorite fruit extensively cultivated and produces immense crops in almost every variety of soil. Fruit large, round, very regular form, with a smooth dark green skin. Flesh yellow, close, sprightly, with a slightly aromatic flavor. In use for the kitchen or table from October to January. Roman stem, a great favorite in New Jersey, where it is very productive, forming a very handsome round-headed tree. Fruit round, medium size, of a pale yellow color, with a few reddish specks. Flesh delicate, with a rich, juicy, agreeable flavor. 
ripe from November to March and fit for either the table or cooking. Jessipus Spitzenberg. There is perhaps not a fruit in the whole catalogue more beautiful to look upon than this variety, and it is second to none in quality. Fruit large, partially oblong, skin smooth of a yellowish green, and nearly covered with brilliant red. Flesh yellow, crisp and juicy, of a rich flavor, with a large core. Ripe in November to January. Monmouth Pippin. I have not seen an apple for many years that so much riveted my attention as this at the exhibition of the New Jersey Horticultural Society in 1846. The tree is of excellent habit and a good bearer. Fruit over medium size, roundish, flat, smooth, russety green skin, marked with dots of brown. Flesh firm, yellow-white, crisp, juicy, and high-flavored, in use from November to March, fit for the dessert or the kitchen. Baldwin, a celebrated apple of the eastern states, where the tree is reputed to be a great bearer and cultivated extensively for the market, sending us a supply every season. Fruit round, rather conical, of a yellow ground, covered with crimson and red, having a few russet spots and streaks, flesh yellow, crisp, and of a peculiarly rich flavor, ripe from November to February, an excellent table fruit. Newton Pippin. There are two varieties of this prince of fruits, the yellow and the green, differing in color, very much alike in form, though the yellow appears to be a little flatter than the green. Fruit medium size, round, obscurely ribbed towards the eye. Of a dull yellow-green, with a brownish blush on one side, slightly covered with brown dots, flesh firm. Yellowish-white, very crisp, juicy, having an exceedingly peculiar rich flavor. For eating or cooking, it has as yet no equal. In use from November to May, retaining all its aroma till the last. A native of Long Island, where the original tree, I believe, still exists. It requires a rich, loamy soil. Lady Apple, a very popular variety introduced from France, and is generally cultivated as a leading winter fruit which it produces in clusters. The tree is of an elegant, upright, strong growth. Fruit small, regularly round, though rather flattened, color bright yellow with a lively dark red cheek. Flesh white, tender, juicy, and crisp, a valuable market variety in use from December to April. Tewksbury Winter Blush, a handsome American fruit not equaled for long keeping by any other sort. A great bearer and of good growth. Fruit of medium size, round, flat form, skin smooth, yellow, with a bright red cheek. Flesh yellowish-white, juicy, and well-flavored. In use from January to July. Cider Apples. Wine sap is a great bearer, grows freely, though rather straggling, and is extensively grown in the sandy soils of New Jersey. Fruit medium size, roundish, yellow, almost entirely covered with dull red. Flesh yellow, firm, crisp, juicy, and high-flavored, a winter fruit. Harrison, a handsome growing tree of New Jersey, of the very highest character as a cider apple, producing large crops. Fruit medium size, round oval, yellow, with rough black specks. Flesh yellow, rich flavor, ripe in November. Haglow crab, a celebrated fruit for early use, either for cider or the kitchen. It is a strong grower and an abundant bearer. Fruit, medium size, flat, 
greenish-yellow streaked with red. Flesh soft, juicy with a rich flavor. Ripe in August and September. Siberian crab. This variety is cultivated exclusively for preserving, being very small, with a clear waxy skin, either yellow or red, there being two varieties. The red makes a very ornamental tree when loaded with its brilliant fruit, being like so many pendant garnets. Culture. The best soil for the apple is that of a loamy, friable nature, avoiding sand and clay, in either of which this tree is short-lived. The finest trees and orchards are planted on a deep, sandy loam, either on a dry bottom or having a good descent for carrying off the water. It is not our purpose to go into an elaborate detail of the management of an orchard. That would only confuse and mystify. Our aim is to state only what is essential and to do it with brevity and precision. There is no country that possesses greater advantages of climate for fruit culture than the United States. Yet, as we have stated, we see fine young trees left to the mercy of the elements without any support. We see no disposition to arrange or form the head, no hand to thin out the crops. All, all is left to nature. Even the soil has no annual or triannual material given to keep it in a state to yield a regular and continued crop. The trees, in consequence, get distorted, the limbs broken down with their harvest to their lazy lords, and then commences the besom of destruction, to annihilate their existence with saw and axe, to cut off their broken branches. Disease takes hold of the tree, and it comes to a premature old age, having not lived half its days. Such has been the fate of many an orchard, and such is the treatment most frequently pursued in the present day. The first object of attention in planting an orchard ought to be to have the ground well plowed, deep, even trench plowed. Manure heavily, put on a potato or corn crop the year previous to planting out, and cultivate it freely the whole season. The soil will then be in order to receive the trees. Plant them from 40 to 50 feet apart, giving the tree at once a strong support to prevent its being tossed with the winds. Tie between the tree and the stake some soft material which will keep the bark from being chafed. Experience teaches that all young orchards should be cultivated and cropped with any kind of grain or root crops excepting grass or hay. After the trees have come into a good bearing state, grass is not at all objectionable, but as soon as the trees show any indication of a meager and stunted growth, the ground should be well enriched in the vicinity of their roots. We see no reason why fruit trees should not occupy the space allowed for brush and saplings around the fields and about the fences. It cannot be the cost, for that is a mere trifle. Every farmer may at least grow apart, and should have a few reserve trees by him every year. It's merely because it is customary to allow these weeds of the forest to grow in place of luscious fruit. Pruning this object is generally considered a labor instead of a pleasant pastime. We can never admit that it is necessary to use an axe and a saw to prune a tree, more especially a fruit tree. That treatment belongs to the Dark Ages. A strong pruning, knife, good hands, with a judicious head, are the accompaniments of the orchardist. Cut off all cross branches, shorten those that stretch out beyond the general outline of the tree, Thin out all superabundant wood to allow the permanent branches and shoots to be from 6 to 12 inches apart. 
it will rarely be necessary to cut off a shoot of one inch in diameter. Insects. We are not aware of any destructive enemy to the apple tree that cannot be kept under by a moderate share of vigilance. The borer, a white fleshy grub that commits its depredations just at the surface of the ground, perforating every part of the stem, is the greatest enemy. Heaping round the tree, during the month of May, about eight inches of coal ashes, lime, or sand will greatly prevent it. These heaps must be spread down again in October or November. It is said that by putting a peck of hot lime about the stem of a tree that is affected by this grub, it will be entirely restored. Naturalists say that this insect, Sapatita bevilteta, remains two or three years in the tree and comes out in a butterfly form in June, flying about at night and depositing its eggs on the tree close to the surface of the ground. Caterpillars may be kept under, and in fact it is the only way to do it, by destroying their nests in the early morning or about noon. If they are allowed to progress, they will soon cover an orchard, while, when taken in time, they are very readily destroyed. Gathering the fruit. Hand-picking is undoubtedly the best way of collecting the fruit, and whether for family use or the market, the superior quality and appearance of such will command a price that will more than cover the expense. Early fruits should be handled very carefully. Winter fruits may remain on the tree till the approach of frost, when they should be collected, and those for sale put into good barrels at once, to be conveyed to market when required. Those intended for family use should be placed in a dry shed for two weeks, and then carefully wiped with a cloth, and put away in a dry cellar, free from frost. Those that are required to keep till May and June should be packed in dry sand or some other material to exclude them from the air. The Apricot Prunus armeniaca Abricolier, French Apricosenbaum, German The apricot is one of the most beautiful of fruits and has been cultivated for about 1800 years. It is a native of China and Japan growing in great abundance on the dry mountains of those countries. Some travelers also mention of its being found in Egypt. The fruit is much esteemed for making marmalades, jellies, and preserves. In its plain state, it is considered wholesome and strengthening. In Europe, it attains to very great perfection, though with us, it never appears to grow to that size we have so frequently seen it there. A park apricot, twelve inches in circumference is a very imposing fruit, compared with the nut-like productions usually seen in our markets. It ripens at a very desirable period of the season, between the period of the late cherries and early peaches. We introduce the following as the best sorts. Brita, a small fruit, about four inches in circumference, very abundant, round form, deep brown-orange color, with a few blush spots towards the sun. Flesh deep orange, separating from the stone, flavor good, kernel sweet, which is a distinguishing character in this variety. Hemskirk, fruit medium size, two inches diameter, of a round form, color bright orange, flesh dark orange, flavor very juicy and rich, tree of vigorous growth and an abundant bearer. Park. It is admitted that this variety is the best of the family and is universally cultivated. 
I have seen a tree of this sort that covered a wall 16 feet high and 100 feet long. Its growth in this climate is not so free as the former, but it is a great bearer and always produces a crop. Size, the largest from 2 to 4 inches in diameter, color pale yellow, form round oval, flesh bright orange, separating freely from the stone, flavor very rich. Growth strong, eyes close, foliage large, delights in a deep sandy loam. Ripe about the middle of July. The whole of this class of fruits ripen in this month with us, but if picked before being fully ripe and put into an ice house, they will be in eating two weeks longer. Peach apricot, or abricot pêche, of the French. There is very little difference between this variety and the former. Indeed, it is so trifling that very few could detect it. It possesses the same characters and ripens at the same time, but the wood has not the eyes so closely set on it, nor is the foliage so heart-shaped. One grand essential to the production of fine apricots is to thin out the fruit well, not allowing it to remain within two or three inches of each other. There are about ten other varieties of the apricot, but all inferior, so far as has been tested by us, to those now described. Culture. This tree rarely succeeds well in this country, unless protected by a wall or fence. Not that it does not grow as a standard, like other fruit trees, but in that position it rarely matures a crop except in city gardens, the early spring frosts destroying the blossoms. It should be placed on an east, west, or north aspect, avoiding a south. It requires good, rich, sandy, loamy soil. The curculio appears to be particularly fond of the fruit. Pruning may be entirely dispensed with after the tree is formed, merely keeping the branches within bounds and training the shoots in any required direction. As a standard, in city gardens, it is both useful and ornamental, being the first tree in bloom of the season, having a large, shining green foliage, and generally producing a good crop. Propagation it is too frequently budded on the peach stock by nurserymen. On such it is short-lived, not constitutionally so, but the stock on which it depends for life fails in a few years unless the borer be prevented from attacking it. The best, and indeed the only stock that should be used, is the plum, on which it should be budded in July or August, and on it will grow half a century. Very good fruit can be raised by planting the stones in the same manner as the peach. End of section 17. Recording by Dana Allen.